Let's do this, Kansas City. This is Saturdays with Kramer right here on the Bet 1660. I am Kramer, and as always, you can chime in on the show at Kramer Talks on Twitter. Tweet me, Snapchat me, text me. I guess you could try to Facebook me, whether or not I'll answer that one or not. But yeah, fun show for today. All over, of course, my favorite sport, the MLB, which is currently locked out at its current situation, the state of the game. We'll also get to your questions later on today in the show. As always, in the final segment, we'll do that. But let's just get right to it. The MLB lockout is still in effect. And the latest that we know currently is, well, we're not having baseball for the first two series of the regular season. That's definitely out of the window and out of the picture. So we can already bet either six to seven games. So pretty much a week's worth of Major League Baseball games will not be made up or rescheduled. So this season at this point in time is not a full 162 games. And frankly, that's I, I guess it's not good for the sport. The fact that they couldn't get a deal done by the 28th of February, that was, that's the fact that we're also on in March. like It's March 5th right now. It, that's that's ridiculous. We should have already had one full week of spring training games. This should, that should have at least already happened by now. But you know what? That you know it, It's not, and that's, that's not good. But with it being locked out, and canceling games is the option, I guess, for Rob Manfred. I don't see a a clear path to when Major League Baseball will actually start. From what I've been seeing and reading up on, there's a good chance that baseball won't start until May when the TV deals are actually going to be in effect for this season for Major League Baseball. So there you go. Like Major League Baseball, the TV runs the business. They, the TV owns up to it wanting to know that it's sending the money out there to Major League Baseball, so baseball wants to grab a hold of that TV, big numbers of money, and the owners want that, and they want their players to go out in the field when that happens. Kind of like when the 60-game sprint happened back in 2019. I think it was not 2019. Yeah, the summer of 2019, when we had the pandemic season, the COVID-shortened season, and the owners lobbied for 60 games, not the 120 or the 110 or the 100 games that the players actually wanted to play, but the, uh, because of you know TV contractual deals, they had, you know what, we're going to make more money in the postseason, so we'll just expand the playoffs that way and just make a, a buku of money because we have more teams in the playoffs. Granted, that's what they did, so they shortened the season. The owners shortened the season of the actual pandemic-shortened season, the 60-game sprint. So the owners had the dictating of that. So what makes them to believe or what makes them not think that they can't do the exact same thing to said this season right now? And it's clearly in their favor in them doing that. And then you have a guy like the commissioner, Rob Manfred, pretty much saying that he he doesn't mind the cancellation of games because, but, I mean, he did he, he did pretty much say that I'm going to have to cancel some games. And he, he did that. And... This is what Ron Manfred had to say about this. I had hoped against hope that I would not have to have this particular press conference in which I am going to cancel some regular season games. We worked hard to avoid an outcome that's bad for our fans, bad for our players, and bad for our clubs. I mean, I don't know how hard you were working on that because there, when, when Rob Manford walked to the podium, he had a, a nice little cheesy grin on, smiling, having a good old time. If the boys just got out of the meeting, they feel good. They just want to start smiling and laughing, but no deal came into place. And then you release the news that you're going to have to cancel some games. That doesn't make sense. And then earlier on in the day, you're practicing your golf swing. Like, what? Like what's going What's going on here? Like, I, I don't understand the mindset of what goes on here, and... And for what it's worth, I guess the owners didn't have their their best final offer there as Manfred denies it. We never used the phrase last best and final offer with the union. We said to them that it was our best offer prior to the deadline to cancel games. Our negotiations are deadlocked right now, but I'm not going to get into, you know, that's different than using the legal term impasse and I'm not going to do that. I, but then there's conflicting reports because Bruce Meyer says that there's claims of the owner saying best and final. It's fair to say that today they were very clear that the last thing they gave us was their best and final offer. They used the words best and final, as Dan did several times. Um, but to be clear, as, as I understood that, that meant best and final before it 
making their decision to announce canceling games. Uh, I, I assume they're not done negotiating. I hope they're not done negotiating. They have a legal obligation to negotiate. Um, so I assume it's not best and final forever, but they were very clear that what they gave us today was best and final for today before making their decision to take down some games. So then what exactly is it? Like, are we, are we just going to wait around and make sure we figure out which one the best final offer is that the owners want to give the, the, uh, the players and the, they want the players just to agree on that one without negotiating anything further? Is that, is that what we've, we've came to upon this, upon this agreement of trying to get some things done so we have baseball? for We're hoping for March and April, but by the time that is coming around, it doesn't look like it. They met earlier this week after the, the, the meeting of it saying, all right, we're canceling games on Thursday, and there was a 90-minute meeting, but nothing happened. Like, it was just not even, there's no owners or players involved in that meeting whatsoever. It was just a, some council people that are just, you know, chit-chatting about what's going to happen. There, there you have slowly, it seems like they're, they're, it was going out very slow-paced from December from until, what was it, February when they first started talking? All right, so it was that slow pace right there. It picked up huge in the shortest month of the calendar of February, the shortest month, the month that has the less days when they could have gotten it done in you know days of 31 in December. Was there 30 or 31 in January? They could have got it done there. Hell, what, there's 30 days in March? You pick the shortest month to try to get this, this deal done, and then you don't get the deal done, and then now it's going to be a nice little slow, steady pace from here on to what, middle of April? Like what's the, why is there no sense of urgency? There needs to be a sense of urgency because you're losing product. You're using people to consume your product. And at the beginning of all of this, I was at the the full front of like it's just Rob Manfred against the players, not realizing that I say that because it's true. Because Rob Manfred needs to act as a mediator between the two, and he's not. He's not between the owners and the players. You need someone there to help, I guess, say, bridge the gap between the two, and that's what the commissioner role should be. And it's where what we're seeing it as is we're not seeing it like that. Rob Manfred didn't have to cancel games. He didn't. He could have been there and like, all right, we're going to keep on extending this. We're going to be going to the 14th hour of this meeting, kind of like they were meeting until 2 o'clock in the morning uh, on one of the days. They were trying to get something done, and it seems like there's... There's no one there to help that middle part rather than trying to bring in those, uh, the wants to bring in, what they brought, they tried to file a grievance to bring some other third party in to go for this. No, 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 no. That third party member should be the person that's inside of it, which is your commissioner, Rob Manfred. The owners and players is what it's about. But at this point in time, it seems like Rob Manfred is siding with the owners no matter what when he needs to be that middle man. That's what Major League Baseball needs, and they need Rob Manfred to be that commissioner. That's the middle man that does not side with the owners or doesn't even side with the players. He wants to. He should be able to keep the both parties satisfied and under control to help them get what each side wants and needs. And then, if you can't get what you want and or need, you compromise. And the thing is that the Players Association, they're still not satisfied. This is what Rob, um, excuse me, Tony Clark had to say upon the, the FAIR proposal. Well, put quotes, quotations on FAIR. Today is, is a, a sad day. Uh, as a, a former player, as a fan for our game, today is a, a sad day. We came to Florida to navigate or to negotiate for a, a FAIR collective bargaining agreement. Despite meeting daily while here in Florida, uh, there is still work that needs to be done. We are seeking improvements to our CBA because significant improvements are needed. We've made no mistake about that fact over the course of the last three or four years based on what we've seen on the field and off the field. It's against that backdrop of growing revenues and record profits for owners in the league that players seek and deserve nothing more than fundamental fairness. And fairness is what they should get, and it's something that they're not getting. And then if you're on the owner's side, you could be saying, oh, no, we're not getting any type of fair things back, but we're also underlining some things and only moving the needle of money-wise by per decimal points. Like, so there's a, Whenever there's like a, a counterproposal from the owners, it seems like, like say like I'm the guy that's at the, say I'm trying to buy a baseball card. Like go to one of the baseball, baseball card stores, and I want to barter with somebody. 
I want to, uh, like, there's a Bobby Witt Jr. card that I think's worth maybe 50 bucks. But the, the owner of that, that card store is uh, trying to say, no, 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 this thing's worth maybe $500. So we'll just go with that short amount of uh, that, that dollar amount. So I'm going to try to work him down. I'm going to barter with him. So I'm going to raise my price offer up. All right, instead of your um, uh, 500 you know what, I'll try to meet you at, let's go 200 on my end. I'm, I'm going to offer you 200 for that, that card, that Bobby Witt Jr. card. And the guy at said store is like, you know what? Instead of that five hundred, I'll bring it down to four ninety. You're only taking ten bucks off. That's how the increments of the owners are towards the players. The players will probably counter back from that two hundred to say, you know what? Let's that by what junior cards worth three hundred and thirty dollars. And then if you go back to the thing, instead of that four ninety I offered you, how about let's go to four seventy five. But that's how it's working, and it, that and they're trying to meet in that middle part or trying to find that common ground. When one side's not even budging while the other side's trying to give up stuff in order to help out and try to secure games, possibly. Nothing to be canceled about because if games are postponed or canceled, that means the players aren't getting those game checks that the, the owners have already said or Rob Manfred already said, I'm not, I'm, not re I'm not replenishing your pay. I'm not rescheduling games. And I, if that's the case, I'm going to keep continuing to cancel games. And that's what's going to happen. But with canceled games means one positive thing for at least me. I guess I can re reboot the virtual Royals that we had here um, uh, under the Odyssey blanket well, during the time intercom blanket of Odyssey. So it, that, that's at least a positive on my end, but do I want to watch me watch virtual baseball? I mean, I, I mean, it's baseball, but it's not something that's my cup. I mean, it is my cup of tea, but I don't want to have to do that for 30 games, going to 40 games, going back to 50 games. Hell, Jay Binkley and I did it for over 100 once during the pandemic season so it's like it's not my first rodeo of games being canceled or games not happening it's just they need to happen and the thing is it's <laughs> this is completely different from what happened back in 1994's player strike that's one thing tony clark wants you to remember this is not a strike this is a lockout players want to play we, we all know that but the reason we're not playing is simple. A lockout is the ultimate economic weapon. Let me repeat that. A lockout is the ultimate economic weapon. In a $10 billion industry, the owners have made a conscious decision to use this weapon against the greatest asset they have, the players. That's terrible. That's, that's like... I don't know, having that that one type of... Say if you're playing poker and you know a guy has hot cards and he's on some type of streak and you find out that he has cards tucked away in his sleeve, maybe an extra ace or two in his sleeve that he's been uh, pulling out trying to get those... Uh, get that, that pocket aces or whatever it is to help his, uh, his hand out in times. That's what the owners are doing right now. They're, they're issuing this lockout. They, they hold the ground of all of this. It's sickening. It's disgusting. It's it's not fair whatsoever for the players. And I, you guys get this. I'm siding with the players on this one as from what I've been seeing and reading and understanding what's going on. But then there's also the people out there like, okay, the, the players need to give up on some sort of things. But if you want to work together as a team, that Major League Baseball is itself as a team, as in general, as because it's like, Say if you, you work in the inside Major League Baseball, you have all these different sorts of jobs, whether if it comes down to um, like statisticians, working in the media sides, PRs, all, all that stuff. And everybody's, if at that set in time, if you're not, unless you're the owner, like everybody's replaceable. Like any, anybody can get fired inside an organization, whether by, by any means necessary, even whether if it's, I mean, by anything. And that's how the, the, the team itself inside that organization, the players are part of said team, so why don't they work together as a cohesive unit between the players and also the owners to get things situated and understand that, hey, this is a team effort. Let's spread the, the, the wealth, the pie around to everybody. Let's everybody get paid and not just a, a select handful of people or collective groups. Let's get this thing done. Let's just work it all out. Let's actually make this a team sport like the baseball is a team sport. It's kind of like the NBA. Do you think the NBA 
And every once in a while, you, you see these arguments with players and also with the owners or coaches. But there might be 30 elite NBA players right now that you know can help sway a direction of a team. Like, look at LeBron James. Any team he goes to, you know they're going to go, they will be above 500 and they will at least lobby for a playoff spot. Any team LeBron James is on. And you could probably make the same argument with Kevin Durant, Stephon Curry, um, or even insert um, like Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard is a perfect example, like him getting the Portland Trailblazers to the playoffs. Like you have that star player, they can get you to the playoffs, and let's work around that star player. Have that star player give you suggestions. Look at LeBron James of the Lakers. It seems like LeBron is pretty much co-GM of that place, trying to get players in there to help that Lakers make the postseason, the playoffs, and win the, the NBA Finals. The NBA works with each other. They understand the assignment. They know it's a collective all-group around, but you could also take in the fact that there's only, four, say, 14 active ro- no, 12 players that actually play, 15, 14 to 15 players on the roster, and that's it. And then you got your G leagues that you're you're that's underneath you, but you're still working with those 14, 15 players to help get you that NBA Finals championship. That's what happens in the NBA. The MLB does not do this whatsoever. It seems like the owners don't work with its players it, because of I guess you could say that there's more players. Well, granted there are there's there's at least a 40 man active roster, but there's 26 active players that are on the on the, that are actually in Major League Baseball. So there's that. You at least are dealing with 26 instead of the NBA dealing with 14 to 15. But I, I don't I don't care how many players it takes or how many numbers it takes for this to all work itself out because they still need to work this together as a team, and it's not happening. It's not. And I'm agreeing with Tom Verducci of MLB Networks. He says he doesn't see an end of the sight to the lockout. There's no light. I mean, I'm going to say it. There's no light in the tunnel. The extreme step of taking down games of the regular season, to me, means that this is the long haul that all of us are in for. I, I don't see a quick resolution because of the pain that is extracted from making this decision that they can't go any forward with negotiating. So I'm going to stop what I was doing towards the final week of February, going to bed, waking up, hoping something's going to happen, then by... One or two o'clock here in Kansas City, I look at my phone and see what happened, see what Jeff Passan, Bob Nightingale, um, uh, John Heyman, what they've said or tweeted um, about, and then go about my business of being frustrated that nothing has gone to happen or nothing, no, no progress was made when it seemed like there was a ton of progress being made, but it just seemed to all fall apart towards the end. And that's what's annoying. That's what's truly annoying. But I at least have some sort of faith that we're going to get baseball here. And then I also have some sort of faith that what's happening right now, it might be a good thing for, say, the minor leagues right now. Because AAA baseball, it will be starting. As I look at their season start right now, they're going to at least be AAA baseball. April 5th is when it's supposed to start. Is it, um, it, their league is... Season's about to begin on April 5th. And that's a good thing for, you know, there's only one positive outcome for this, especially if you're in Kansas City, is that, granted, 40-man roster, anybody that's on the 40-man active roster right now, you cannot participate in the spring training that's happening, the extended spring training after spring training for the minor leaguers. And then, if you're on the 40-man roster and you are part of the AAA or AA or single A, you can't play. You just can't. So there's only one fortunate thing here that's been played, pal- played upon. That's the fact that Bywood Jr. is not on the 40-man roster, which that's good. That means he's he's down there in Arizona. He's practicing every single day. He will also go to extended spring training. And then on April 5th, he will be playing in AAA Omaha. I'm assuming he'll make the AAA Omaha team. I mean, that's the team that he was out, um, on last year when the season ended. So we'll at least know for a fact that he's going to be playing. But I think this is a, a huge benefit for the Kansas City Royals. Granted, I know Nick Prado and MJ Melendez are all on the 40-man roster, so they're not going to be practicing or playing at all. So, I mean, there might be a little bit of setback towards them. But they'll, they, they will work themselves back to it, though. They, they will. But the thing is, Bobby Wood Jr., when he gets called up, because you know for a fact he's getting called up. If this Since this season is shortened, now it is, it's pushed back, Whatever opening day actually officially starts, 
I could probably guarantee you that Bobby Witt Jr. is going to be on the opening day roster for the Kansas City Royals. He'll be on the he'll be in the opening day lineup playing third base, maybe batting sixth, sixth or seventh. That's where he'll be at. Hell, actually, I think it'd be pretty sweet if he was batting first or second. I mean, I don't see him batting third or fourth or fifth yet because I mean, you still got to figure out the run producing and also whether his bat does transfer. But he's going to have two months, two months, well over two months, maybe three. You know, middle part of February, middle part of March is one, one month, April. I mean, the season starts in May. He's going to at least have two solid months of his timing there, seeing people every single day, seeing different pitchers every single day. That's a good benefit, and that's a good thing for the Royals for opening day whenever that does happen. Because you know that these two series that have been canceled or postponed are going to go to three, it's going to go to four, it's going to go to five, then it's going to go to ten, then 15, and then we're going to have probably baseball here. We're going to have, I say there's going to be at least 100 games that, that, that will be played in Major League Baseball this year. At least 100. And then whenever that first day, game of that season two start, by the way, Jerry's going to, he's going to win Rookie of the Year this year. He's going to be so ready. He's going to be locked in. He, he should be ready to roll, and he will make that line, that opening day lineup, and it's just going to be history from there. People, if you're not ready for Bobby Witt Jr., you don't understand like what the type of mentality that's going to be bringing more into Kansas City. Just think of the this thing about Bobby Witt Jr. as the Patrick Mahomes, but a Major League Baseball, and he's here, like he's ready. Like he was so ready last year, it was it was nuts. And I feel like every single week, I mean, honestly, if every single week I can have a topic about Bobby Witt Jr. here on the Sires of Kramer, here on the, the Bet 1660, I would. And I'm trying. I think every single week so far I have talked about Bobby Witt Jr. at some port, some sort of capacity because I want to let you all know that this guy's real. Like, this guy's legit. This guy's going to bring good fortune to Kansas City for you. Like, are you are you ready for that? It's kind of like when we were watching... Mike Moustakas and Eric Hosmer and insert whoever you think was gonna that was helping out towards that 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 that's that time frame of 2010, 2011, 2012. Like you were watching the, the progression between the two. And what did those guys do? 2014, they got you to the World Series, and 2015 they got you to the World Series and you won it. That's two guys. Two guys, and Eric Hosmer and Mike Moustakis. Bobby Witt Jr. is... I, I, I'm going to say it right now. From just watching it, Bobby Witt Jr. is better than Mike Moustakis and Eric Hosmer combined. That's exciting. And the fact that you also have Bobby Witt Jr. Then whenever the season starts and whenever they get called up, Nick Prado and MJ Melendez, two different studs, which Nick Prado might have a better glove... Then Eric Hosmer, his bat's like probably right on par with Haas. That's good. That's that's really good. And MJ Melendez is there to replace Salvador Perez whenever he wants to either play first base or DH. Like I mean, they're you have Royals are in such good hands. And they're ready. They're knocking on the door. It's whether or not if you all are ready to see it or not, because apparently the owners aren't. Owners aren't, players are, players are at the play right now. I don't know. I digress. But this is Sires of Kramer here on the Bet 1660. Last week, we talked about a NL West team and exactly what they were trying to do. Now we're going to go clear across the other coast and talk about an NL East team and exactly what they're trying to do. It's completely different. All right, it might be not be. We'll discuss next. You're listening to Saturdays with Kramer on the Bet 1660. Back at it here on a Saturday on the Bet sixteen sixty. This is Saturdays with Kramer. I'm Kramer here. Chime in on the show at Kramer Talks on Twitter. Heck, you can also maybe you can ask me questions. I'll answer them as I'll get to all the questions that I was sent to by my wild and wacky friends. Uh, they want some questions answered. I'll answer them. And heck, if you want questions answered, I'll answer them too. Just get a hold of me, however you need to, to, to say, hey, Kramer, what's this and that. And honestly, if you're on Twitter too, use hashtag Kramer Talks. Either at me at Kramer Talks or hashtag Kramer Talks. And uh, I'll get to your questions and I'll, I'll answer the questions that you have. And the only thing that's the biggest question mark is exactly how much money, how much money the New York Mets actually have since they've already spent 
$254.5 million this offseason. Granted, the offseason was short. Like The, the offseason so far has been short. And granted, you can still classify it as the offseason because minor league players are still being signed left and right still. And people are still trying to you know, scramble to like a panic and hopefully that there's at least some sort of season to happen. But the Mets already spending $254.5 million is absolutely ridiculous. And if I were to say all that money, how many players do you think they've signed in that with that sh- that amount of money that they've they've already expended? And if you say the uh, say an over under of excuse me under over under of five people, do you want to take the over of that or under that? Because if you take the over, you're clearly wrong. The, the Mets have only signed four people: Max Scherzer, Mark Canna, Starling Marte, and Eduardo Escobar. Max Scherzer deal. Three year one thirty million. Mark Canna deal. Two year two hundred two excuse me. Two year twenty six point five million. Starling Marte, a four year seventy eight million. And Eduardo Escobar, a two year twenty million. These are really good signings by the Mets. Mark Canna is probably gonna be he's a he's your twenty home run guy. Twenty plus home run guy. It's gonna drive in 60, 70 RBIs in a season if you have a lot of stacked lineup around him. Starling Marte led the majors last year in stolen bases. He's a 20 home run guy. He's a 90 RBI guy. Eduardo Escobar, he's a 25, 30 plus home run guy, and he'll drive in 80, 80 plus home run, uh, 80 plus RBIs. The Mets are doing something different, and I actually like it. And the fact that when the lockout's over with, they might go get you, they might go get them another pitcher or so or two. Like, because the pitching rotation right now, I would say, is not bad whatsoever. If you got Jacob DeGrom as your one, Max Scherzer your two. Pretty darn good. And you got Tywan Walker, Carlos Carrasco, and Trevor Williams. Tywan Walker, he's a guy that can win you 10 plus games. He can keep his ERA under a three. Carlos Carrasco, when when right and went on and when dealing right, that's a sub two ERA. Like, this is gonna be a good pitching rotation. It's whether or not the the bullpen will do anything for him. Because it seems like that really wasn't the problem at all. Was the pitching and bullpen? It's always been the hitting. That's why they went out and got the deal for Marte, for Mark Canna, for Eduardo Escobar. And then also, with the fact of the DH going to be in place and hopefully a healthy Robinson Cano this following season, the Mets, their lineup is might be lethal. And you can have your second base, your, your super utility guy, Jeff McNeil, still play anywhere that you need for him to do. But you don't really need a guy like... Braden Nemo or Dominic Smith anymore on your team. If they need to trade them for a more bullpen or pitching, I think this is the time to do it. Because Eduardo Escobar, I mean, he's going to be a third baseman because Francisco Lindor is always your short. Robinson Canonis go back to second base because remember, they, they traded for Javi Baez last year. They traded for Javi because of the injury to Robinson Cano and whether or not, because he didn't play at all last year. And Cano is going to, I let's just go with Robinson Cano right now. I believe he's going to have a resurgence season. He might be playing second base. He might be playing DH. But when every single time I say Robinson Cano, especially here in Kansas City, the number one thing that I can think of is boo, like boo Robinson Cano. Because I remember the remember the All Star the All Star festivities where he didn't bring Billy Butler into um, uh, the home run derby, which he probably should have or shouldn't have. I don't know. I didn't need to really see Billy Butler in the home run derby. I was fine with him in the All Star game. That that's that's enough said on that part. But when Robinson Cano comes back, we're gonna see his home runs. Come back up. Because I mean, granted, he had a terrible the past three years that he actually played. The last what three years he played was 18, 19, 20. He hit a total of 33 home runs during that span. When he usually averages about 30 home runs. Like Robinson Cano has the power. Like he, he got that's why he signed that big deal in Seattle and didn't just didn't work out. Like they wanted to him to produce the home runs that he did. Granted, he hit 39 as his high water mark in 2016. But Robinson Cano, is, he's going to do really good things for the Mets this year, especially at that DH spot. And with the universal DH a thing, hell, if they don't trade Dominic Smith, you might see Pete Alonso DH every once in a while. Put Robinson Cano at first base and make it work that way. I just think Robbie Cano's going to have a good season, and it's going to, to weigh the factor in for the Mets to what are they going to do with Jeff McNeil? What are they going to do with Braden Nemo? What are they actually going to do with the guy that they just signed in Eduardo Escobar who can play the infield and outfield? There's a lot of good problems. And if I'm the New York Mets right now in this situation, I'm, I'm soaking it all up because I know for a fact 
that this is a completely better New York Mets team. Grant, don't I'm acting like the New York Mets played like complete dog do the entire season last year. No, 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 no. The the New York Mets were in first place to the National League East for I believe what ninety games, ninety one hundred games. It was way more than that. It had to be like one twenty or so. But the Braves and Phillies were always consistent, and they were always right behind them. And well, I think they finished third in the division, which was nuts. You you lead for over 100-plus days in first place, and you fall out of first place. It kind of sounds like the Washington Nationals to me. And once they figure that out, the Mets should be in line. And, you know, it's weird, too. The Washington Nationals in the same division as the Mets. Nationals, they, you ain't gonna, they're not going to be any relevant anytime soon. So that's a good idea that Juan Soto, like we talked about last week, declined that 13-year, $300-plus million deal. Good for, Good for you. The Braves are there. The Marlins are. It's weird. The Marlins are the weirdest team over the National League East because they have the roster. <laughs> they have all of it. They have all. They have everything that they need. It's whether or not they can stay healthy and that pitching can stay consistent. That's the only problem with the Marlins. So you at least know they're the bottom two feeders of the team of the of the East. But it was just weird because when the Nationals were kind of doing their thing to where like they were amazing, then they drop off with the final part of the season. The Mets were up there. The the Phillies definitely were up there. The Braves were up there. Marlins weren't. Marlins still stayed the same. But now I'm just saying it's time that we see a switch of the Mets are now doing what the Nationals did. Now it's the time that we see the Mets, like we might have a question mark on them, but then they're there at the postseason and also um, making a deep run in the playoffs because of their team is a completely different mindset and shape and form because they can at least produce runs now. It's weird to say that they're the the main problem for the Mets is the fact that their offense is not great. And when I say that, their offense should be really good. Francisco Lindor, Pete Alonso, James McCann last season. Heck, Brandon Nemo is a former first round draft pick. JD Davis. Heck, who they have the team. They had the team around him, and now it's just they're just adding more bits and pieces here. Because Michael Conforto is not on the team anymore, that that was a that was a huge mistake. Like with him, like they were hoping to have some sort of different player that they they thought they were going to get. That didn't happen. But I like how the the shape up and mold of this team has become. Let's sign these guys, and they're not done. Like once this once this uh, once the the padlock's unlocked, whenever that happens, there's going to be a very quick. Free agent frenzy because you got to get players to get on on teams to, you know, got to get them loosened up. You got to get warmed up because it's spring training. It's you know for a fact that players timing's going to be a huge issue. You don't want pitchers' arms, so we're going to see a probably a lot of signings upon veteran pitchers for every single team when they when it unlocks because you can't have enough arms because we might see a lot of blown out. We we, we might. That's 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 the risk you have to willing to take when you have a shortened, condensed spring training. Even though we already know the players are warming up, they're practicing, they're doing whatever. If you're even if the players are on the forty man roster, they're still they're going to their secret hitting cages, their secret fields. Hell, if you're like Trevor Bauer, you're out there in the middle of the desert in Arizona doing practicing, doing BP on your YouTube channel. So that's at least that. But I believe the Mets are in the right place. They're on the right step forward. And that's why I think they're a team that you need to highlight and spotlight at this point because they're going to be one of the favorites to win the National League East. Because you got to think the Braves won't have, well, I mean, it depends if he re-signs back, but at this point in time, you could kiss Freddie Freeman goodbye from the Atlanta Braves. And he was a huge, huge help to get them that World Series last year. Huge help. Especially with Ronald Cunha Jr. done for the season last year. I mean, great. I would think if Acuna was was healthy, he would be also a big impact as well. Who knows? Maybe Freddie Freeman might have taken a few steps back, but Freddie Freeman helped, and I mean to help the Atlanta Braves win that World Series. But I think that the roster set up for the Mets it has worked itself to dethrone the Atlanta Braves, especially that pitching. It's it's huge help with Max Scherzer. I mean, then again. Max Scherzer has been in the National League East for, what, five years, six years in a Nationals uniform? Might be less than that. It seems like it's been forever. Like, they already know what they're going to expect, especially in the East, especially against the Braves, Marlins, Nationals, of course, now. And then with the Mets, not have to worry about them. But that's, you got to get all these signings to happen, and the Mets are making it work.
And the things that's also making it work is more signings will happen because players might get more money if you are a, a former player who made a playoff team in years past and if you're a free agent currently because we already know that the 12-team playoff is a thing. It's already been verbally agreed upon between the players and players' association. Well, the players and the owners. <laughs> I, I said players, players. Yeah, you, you know what I meant. But now the MLBPA might consider a 14-team playoff. And I just want to hold the brakes because let's let's listen to a guy who has been in the meetings, has talked with, and it's not about expanded playoffs, and helped agree upon whether or not they should and shouldn't have to do it. Whit Merrifield joins Cody and Gold. I mean, he always used to have his weekly show last year. It might be happening again this year when the season starts. Uh, he joined Cody and Gold earlier this week uh, just to talk about what's been happening between the players and players uh, and the owners during their uh, collective bargaining agreement sessions. It's a it's something it's a delicate topic. It is because future or uh, the past has shown us that the way a lot of clubs operate, they'll use this as a way to cut down spending even more and just sort of limp into the playoffs. They'll say, oh, we don't need to go and get this much better because there's X amount of teams that are going to be able to get into the playoffs. So if we can just get into the playoffs, baseball is such a random game a lot of times where anything can happen. you got to get hot at the right time. So we're concerned that that's, that's going to be the, the motive of a lot of teams. And um, so it's something that we're going to have to be cognizant of. And look, these expanded playoffs, they're, they're not agreed to. They, until Nothing is agreed to until everything is agreed to. And so this is, this is not set in stone. This is not signed on. And, and this is something that, that we can act at any time. Um, so it's, we, we've talked about it a lot. We know how important it is to the league. We know how much money it's going to generate uh, the league. And, um, but at the same time, we have, to, we have to watch out for our game. And um, it's, it's been discussed a lot, but it's not agreed to yet. And that's huge to think that it's not being agreed to because even though the reports have been saying that there's been then sides, but that, it's kind of like how I said earlier about the DH. They verbally agreed to do it. They verbally agreed to do the DH. They verbally agreed to do the 12-man playoff, the 12-team playoff. They verbally agreed or haven't verbally agreed to a 14-team one yet. Now the Player Association who want to do that, and that's just, that's, I don't think it's the right thing to do. If you already won the cut down the, the season shortened already, even until it's 100 right now, even though they have a 12-team playoff that's already verbally agreed to, not pinned to paper yet, verbally, they, you're, granted, you're going to be making a lot of money, but why would I want to see a 500 baseball team make it to the playoffs, then somehow get hot, then win it? When you're that one team that, say the San Francisco Giants, all last year, Last season, they were like consistent hitting, 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 pit, consistent pitching, pitching, pitching. They were on fire. They were the best team in Major League Baseball last year, and, and everybody thought they were going to be the third best team in the National League West. They, they, they made it all the way to the playoffs. They lost to the Dodgers, and that's it. But I, I would like that better because of how less teams were in the playoffs. I don't want a team that has been consistently on a tear throughout the entirety of Major League Baseball season, then get swept by a team that barely made it, had to fight and claw to stay at 500 the entire season, and they just somehow beat the Giants or beat said team that's been amazing. I don't like that. So, and the only reason why they want to do this is because they want to side with the owners, try to help the owners say, hell, you know what, we're going to do this because you're going to get a lot more money through TV deals and we'll get a little bit more money because of our players are going to be in postseason games. 14 teams playoffs should not be a thing. They should not even be considered. Keep it at 12 because by the time it gets to 14, then once the 14 team playoff happens, they want to want shortened season. The MLB is going to be just like the NBA where they have 82 games and then half the damn league gets into the postseason, into their playoffs. You want you really want seven Major League Baseball teams to represent the National League or the American League? Do you? I'd rather have seven than six. No, wait, no, I'd rather have six than seven. Too many teams. 14 teams in the postseason is ridiculous. 12 is, a little, is, is about right. The only reason why they want to do this is because of the money. The only reason why they're, they're, they offer this up is because of they're trying to get baseball to happen. I get it. 
It's smart. You want to play baseball. The players want to play baseball. That's their move. And also, a great move earlier this week as well by the the players is the fact that they're giving they're working the way to give them to donate one million dollars to all of the workers that are the you know the, your, your concession vendors and all the people out there your your not valets the people who are working the parking all the security all that stuff all the players are trying to round up one million dollars so they can disperse that upon every single organization that has some sort of vendors or anybody like that in that because they don't have any jobs they make a lot of money during major league baseball season for the, all that 162 because of that that's their main job they love doing that and they enjoy it they go to the ballpark they interact with the fans they, they sell the food and everything people enjoy doing that that they're always there i mean you that's why they remember your name they remember you as a regular they, they always you have great chemistry and history with those vendors and stuff like say if it's at um at kaufman stadium the players are trying to help them out. The fact that the players are stepping up to do that is huge. The fact that the owners didn't even haven't even said a damn word about it is sad. The owner, the baseball player, the players want to play. And that's why they're they're offering that 14 team playoff. I might be disagreeing upon it wanting to be 14 teams, but I get why the players are doing it. They're trying to get baseball to happen, and I respect it 100 percent This is Sarah Kramer here on the Bet 1660. Answer your I will answer your questions. All of them that I got sent to next. You're listening to Saturdays with Kramer on the Bet 1660. Bet fearlessly on your favorite sport with a risk-free first wager up to $1,000 at BetMGM. Sign up today using bonus code DAILYTIP and get in the game with the king of sportsbooks. Tap into BetMGM's innovative parlay selection builders, live betting options, boosted odds specials, and daily promotions. Plus, you'll earn BetMGM rewards points that you can redeem for room nights and dining at MGM Resorts nationwide. Download the BetMGM app or go to BetMGM.com and use promo code DAILYTIP to make your first bet risk-free up to $1,000 only at BetMGM. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. All right, class. Let's hear what everyone did this weekend. Jill? Well, I raised my older sister to a big oak tree. It was at least a hundred years old. My mom said I must have set a record or something. And then we went down by a stream and perched up on this huge rock and saw all of these little minnows swimming around way below us. And then I rescued my little brother from an evil slug king who was guarding him at the bush fortress. And my sister and I brought him back to our super twig fort for safety. And then we all laid out and told stories until it got dark. And the Big Dipper led us all the way home. Where were you, Jill? Yeah. We went to the forest. It's not that far away. Anyone want to come this weekend? Ask your parents to take you and your friends to the forest this week and find the fun, adventurous you. It's closer than you think. Check out discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Have you wanted to speak a new language but thought it'd be too difficult or take too much time? Then try Babbel. Whether you want to learn Spanish for future travel plans, French to connect with extended family, or maybe German to land a new job, Babbel works because it's built around real life. It teaches you everyday practical conversations that you'll actually use. All you need is 15 minutes a day, and you'll be on your way to confidently speaking a new language in just a few weeks. Babbel is designed by real language experts using a modern conversation-based technique that makes learning fun, engaging, and best of all, memorable. It starts by teaching you words and phrases, then sentences gradually get more complex. Soon you're practicing short conversations about real life topics. And with 14 languages to choose from and lesson topics like travel, business, relationships, and more, you'll be sure to learn what matters most to you. Babbel, language for life. Learn a new language with ease. Go to babbel.com to try for free. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com, babbel.com. Sarah's Rick Kramer here. I'm Kramer here on the Bet 1660. Final segment of the show, the final segment always now. 
is your questions. I love answering your questions. You, got, you guys got questions. I got the answers to your questions. They may, they may not be the right answers if I might, do mind add you. But uh, there, there are at least some sort of answers here uh, that are going to be coming to you right, right now. Let's just go with these ones that my... So my, I, I always tweet out maybe a day or two before the show happens to where like, hey, send me some sports questions or send me questions in general, anything. And man, my man Chaz, he sent me some stuff. Like, okay. Chaz, assuming we sign a free agent wide receiver with so much speed at the wide receiver position in this draft class, which, this is a side note, so many fast receivers right now, especially in that combine. I think the turf in Indianapolis got replaced or something because everybody's just flying. All right, let's go back to the question. Do Reed and Veach... Go concentrate more on edge or defensive backs early or circle back later in the draft to take a shot at a wide receiver. I think you have to go you have to go free safety, I feel like, in the first round. You got free safety or edge rusher. That's the if you're the Kansas City Chiefs, that's what you need to do in first and second round is to get those two and lock them up because most of the time they're hard to come by. But what we've seen with the Kansas City Chiefs, they 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 found them late round corners, those late round safeties every once in a while. I mean Hey, what Juan Thornhill was a second round draft pick, I, I think. I mean, he's not a very good caliber wide um, safety in the NFL, but he's at least a decent one. But then Jerry Sneed, a, a good what third round draft pick. So at least you you can at least can can get your your corner, your safety that way. But you gotta get that edge rusher. It might it's gotta be a safety or an edge in that first round. It has to be. I the wide receiver with this class. From the Chiefs, I'm not worried about it. I, I'm not worried about drafting someone. I I'll I'll wait till the next season. If you got Tyree Kill. You got Travis Kelsey. You should be fine. You can find insert random free agent here into a one-year deal and be fine for another year. That's what the Chiefs are probably going to do. Also, another from him: How do you address possibly losing Tyron Matthew and Charvarius toward the soft season? Um, I say draft. Like the draft is huge. I don't. You're you. If you're the Chiefs. I don't know how much money you have to spend, but if you can't re-sign Tyron Matthew, you're not you're not going to spend on a a corner or a safety in this offseason. You have to probably go through the draft for those guys. How many runs are you going to lose by when you link up on the show after it drops next month? I, there's no way that I'm losing. To, I think, Chaz, I think the last time we actually played, I beat you. I think I was the Athletics, too. I think I beat you with Seth Brown and Austin Allen. Like Those are my, my, those are my two boys I'm pretty sure I beat you with. Um, why does Manfred hate the Royals? Well, excuse me. Why does Manfred hate Royals fans so much that he allowed this lockout to happen right before... Uh, the prodigal son, Bobby Witt Jr. arrives. See, hey, Chaz, you get it. I get it. Bobby Witt Jr. is amazing. And th- this is going to be... He's a, he's a prodigy. Like we, He's a young prodigy. Bobby Witt Jr. is a young prodigy. That's uh, Put that on a t-shirt. Bobby Witt Jr., young prodigy. Or throw it throw it the other way around. Young prodigy, Bobby Witt Jr. I like it. Like you know, I, I hate the fact that we have a lockout... But I still don't think the Royals would have started him. Like I would love, I, I was harping and praising. Hopefully, the Royals would start him opening day. But I don't think it was going to happen. But at this point in time, it's a good possibility with things things getting pushed back that he he does start. There's a good possibility. Uh, Trav said, "Is Kenny Pickett going to be able to play with NFL with his eight and a half baby hands?" <laughs> That's I. You know for a fact there's nothing going on in National Football that they have to make a story about a <laughs> a draftee's hands. The fact that eight and a half inches are classified as baby hands, apparently. I mean, Grandy, that's small hands. That's small hands for a quarterback, but he can sling it. Kenny Pickens can sling it. He can run it, too. He can also do a little fake slide as well that he, he did that he got a touchdown on. He's going to be fine. This This draft class is so thin that I don't see any starter out of this draft class. Maybe some backups. Maybe one, maybe fringe starter. But this is not a good quarterback draft class. This isn't. And like as a Raiders fan, and there's a big question mark on what they're going to do with Derek Carr, whether they trade him, let him play out, or release him, I guess. They wouldn't release him. Either re-sign him, let him play out. That like I don't like this draft class. This draft class is terrible. I I, I just don't like it for a quarterback. Kenny Pickett will be fine. He will. Baby hands and all, he'll be fine. And look at look at Jamar Chase. They said that he had tiny hands and what he was catching balls left and right in the NFL all season last year. Like, like come on, like the hands don't matter. You you need it. You're you're fighting, clawing, and itching for a story out in the NFL right now. Nothing's happened. Nothing's happened. 
If you're the Jaguars, what do you do with the, with this draft pick? If I'm the Jags, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind trading down. Like, like there's nothing wrong to trade down. Get trade down and get another get a first round of this year's draft um this year's draft and also a second round player too. If you can package a deal up like way, I would definitely just trade out. I I would. But it's up to you on that one though. The Jaguars can do a lot of things sitting at where they're at right now currently. Like they can. Uh, Jairus, where do you rank MJF, CM Punk's AEW all-time feuds? If if you don't watch wrestling, like I love wrestling, enjoy it. Watched I, I watched SmackDown yesterday for the first time in forever, and of course watch AEW Rampage every single uh, week. MJF and CM Punk might be an all-time feud of the decade. It's definitely the best all uh, all best feud ever in AEW. I, that's what I think. I think it's definitely they worked it that way. They it's a great build and all. They're even using stuff from back in two thousand and two, two thousand and three from old CM Punk from his come up at Ring of Honor. Like they're 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 tying stuff back in that way. It's nuts. Like I I love this. This is this is the a decade feud of, of all time. The twenty twenties. Feud of all time, you have to put this feud in there, especially in all of wrestling. You have to. You, you have to. As this show comes to a close for today, I have one thing I'd love to share. Seven years ago yesterday, my best friend in the whole wide world, Alex Brand, uh, committed suicide. And I was a senior in high school, and it it has left a devastating impact upon my life. And it's 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 heart wrenching whenever that day comes around. And that was yesterday. So what I want to say here to you all is, if you're feeling depressed, need help, there's help out there. The National Suicide Hotline is one eight hundred two seven three. Eight two five five. It was uh, the past seven years have been hard. Every single day, I live for my best friend ever, and I'm trying to make sure he's looking down upon me. And I'm trying to live the life that I hope that he could have had. Love you, Alex, Kansas City. I love you all. There's help out there. Once again, the National Suicide Hotline is one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. Bumpy Kansas City. I'll talk to y'all next week. You're listening to Saturdays with Kramer on the Bet 1660.